Welcome to this podcast about the adventure of career change. This episode features an interview with Ali Foxen, who lives on the edge of the Peak District National Park. During her mid-30s, soon after the birth of her son, she started sketching outdoors and quietly transformed her life, her career and her mental health. Join us now for Ali's story, recorded on a windy autumn day as we sat surrounded by falling leaves. So if you were, if you'd come here with your book and your pencils, mm. paints, whatever, mm. what would you have, what would you choose first, do you think? To... So this is a really nice little spot. So one of the things about green sketching is that I change it depending on how I'm feeling. So for a long time, I thought there was a way that you had to sketch and you did everything the same way. But it's a big part of the process and I talk about this in chapter nine is just adapting it so if I was feeling a bit stressy like I needed to really focus and ground I'd get maybe I'd go and get a bracken leaf or you know a complicated sycamore leaf or something and I'd just sit and I'd focus on one leaf and I'd just sit here and that might keep me quiet for two minutes or something five minutes then I might go and find something else might have a pot around see what little things I could find if I was feeling a bit more chilled out and just sort of wanted to really sort of take in the scene, then I might focus more on the actual feel of the landscape, you know, the cluster of trees there, and do something a bit more, you know, take a bit more time over it and sort of really absorb the sense of place. So it really would depend how fidgety and how distracted I was. So there's not one way. I wouldn't sit here and go, right, I'm going to do that view there and I'm going to do it the way I always do views like that. It would be very much... Um, of intuitive and depending on the moment and the weather and how I was feeling whether I had lots of energy or just was feeling a bit bleh. also what colours so when the sun shines through it lights up all of the leaves and all of a sudden it's not about the shapes it's just about the colours and the colour combinations so it might be something a bit more semi-abstract with some watercolours and when you're sketching what does it do to you and your state of energy it's incredibly relaxing so you use the word relaxing a lot but it's the process of sketching slows you down it slows down your vision it slows down your movement it really helps you sort of tune into your local surroundings and that process gets you out of your own head it stops you worrying about things and is a practical way to sort of access a state of mindfulness so it can calm you down before that when you're looking for something to sketch it's it's almost the opposite in terms of it can spark joy so you can notice a pretty leaf or um, like I was talking about the sunlight shining through so it can it can lift your spirits and it can help calm down the stress which is quite unusual for an activity and it only takes a couple of minutes to do it so it's it's the combination of helping you relax and um, lift your spirits which I I love and it really helps me. So for people who aren't already drawing sketching doodling how do you encourage them to start doing this when they don't really have a grasp of what the benefits are you know obviously you're maybe telling people what the benefits are how do you encourage people to take the next step to actually experience that for themselves one of the ways is to 
encourage people to think about sketching in a new way. So green sketching is an invitation to think about sketching not as we traditionally do as a way of creating artwork or even a tool for communicating what we see, but to think about it in terms of being this tool for relaxing and um, not just relaxing, but connecting with nature. So it's a mindset shift. And the way to put this into practice is to focus very much on how the process of sketching feels and how it changes what you see. And all that sounds very abstract. So I help people tap into their powers of observation, their superpower of observation, if you like, by encouraging them to think about a common everyday element of nature that they, they know about maybe a daisy or a holly or an acorn something that everyone can sort of imagine what they you know they can remember what they think it looks like and I get them to sketch it ever so quickly um, on a scrap of paper or in a sketchbook and they have a go and then you go and find one out in nature and you look at it and without giving them any instruction on how to do it you just ask them have a go at sketching that from observation um, and then compare the two what did you notice when you actually looked carefully at nature? And it has, uh, it has quite an amazing effect that people just go, wow, I'd never looked at a nettle before. I'd never realised a bramble leaf looked like that. And it can open their eyes, literally, to the, um, to the magic of observation. And that magic has nothing to do with the quality of the artwork that they've created. It's all to do with the process of looking. So that's how we start it. And you can move on from there to just looking for other little objects to sketch. And it can be very unthreatening. It can be small, small finds, a small, an individual blade of grass or a single petal rather than a whole flower. And you just focus on what did you notice and how did it make you feel? That's the way into seeing the sort of the power of sketching and um, the impact it can have on your mental health, really. And have you seen people break through those barriers of worrying that their style or their sketch is going to look rubbish as such? You know, those worries about it not being good. Absolutely. I mean, the motivation for creating a new approach to sketching called green sketching was very much to make it more accessible to people because I discovered how... how incredibly powerful it was for relaxing but realized that it might be great but not many people sketch because there are so many barriers and they're all barriers in our mind they're perceived barriers about whether we need to be good at drawing whether we need to have lots of time to practice drawing or whether we need to know about nature and be nature experts to actually be allowed to go and sketch the natural world so I wanted to eliminate all of those barriers and come up with a very accessible very unintimidating approach that made it easy for people to have a go even if they were absolutely convinced they couldn't draw i haven't invented a new way of making marks it's more of a mindset shift really to help people realize that you don't actually need to show anybody what you sketch and just by removing the element of sharing sketching can suddenly become much more enjoyable and rewarding because you're not worried about being judged and that judgment can take two forms. It can be, oh no, what if people laugh at me because I'm rubbish? But also it can be this need that we might have to have people like what we've created, to sort of be praised for, oh, that's good, that's beautiful. And when you unhook from that sort of need for praise or the fear of criticism, um, and you just treat sketching in the same way that you treat writing a private journal, it's something for you, it's a personal practice. You do not need to show anybody else 
um, it opens you up to a very different relationship, not only with sketching, but also with um, discovering what the natural world means to you. Do you come across some people who, and I'm talking about this from a part of my brain that says this. <laughs> so there's a part of my brain that I tried to switch off that asks the question, well, what's the point? <laughs> and of course, like being on the other side of it now, of trying what, you, what you've talked about, that experience of just observing, I know what the point is. But there's a bit of the brain, you know, if, if it's not productive, if it's not towards work, if it's not because I want to be an artist, mm. it's it's like this obsession with being productive, doing something that's going to work towards something, mm. you know, has like a, almost like an end result or something. How do you get people through that? If you have people, and it's very common, um, resisting the idea of doing something for themselves that seems a bit frivolous and sketching a daisy that's fine but I've got an important business to run or I'm far too um, stressed out with home life to go outside and and, um, sit and be creative I haven't got time if you can reframe it in terms of we're all overwhelmed we're all really busy and there's a whole long list of shoulds that we should do for our self-care we should relax we should do we should meditate we should um spend time outdoors and get daylight exposure we should go for a walk and get exercise there's there's a long list of things we should do if you can sell sketching to yourself as this is an incredibly efficient way to experience the benefits of fresh air walking mindfulness creativity nature connection and it needn't take more than two minutes then sometimes it can help people go um you know maybe this will actually be worth the effort and then invariably, once somebody spent a couple of minutes doing it, they're like, oh, actually, this makes me feel really good. And the benefits of slowing down and spending a little bit of time focused on nature do wonders for how I'm feeling. And that can re- recenter me to be much more productive in the rest of my day. So you can sell it to the most, the busiest, busiest of people who, <laughs> who turn away from self-care normally. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's probably one of the biggest challenges of your work is obviously the the idea of it sounds really good and really appealing but actually getting people to put pencil or paintbrush to paper that must be one of the biggest challenges to just allow to to allow people to have that time i think it's also breaking down the idea that it's going to take a long time because if you think about learning a new creative skill it can seem like a lovely idea and something you'll do when you've got time to relax so you put it off until the holidays or until you retire or something but actually if you take a step back and say sketching is just a very simple form of visual communication which in many ways is no different from scribbling down a phone message on a post-it notepad you are simply making a visual note of what you see it doesn't need to look good it doesn't need to take long it is just a way to connect you with your surroundings it needn't be an elaborate hobby it takes a piece of pencil back of an envelope if you want to buy a sketchbook you can but it's there are very few barriers to entry it it can be done anywhere you don't need to live in the uh, the countryside or up in the hills you can do it in your garden you can sketch a pot plant uh, in an urban park um it's available to all of us and it needn't take long and once you've tried it you, you realize that actually it's something you can do whenever you've got a few seconds really a few minutes and where did it all begin for you then it began when I was 
living overseas. I was living in Switzerland. I just had a baby and was feeling a bit disillusioned with the work I was doing. So I was working as a scientific editor and working on some big climate change reports and just feeling that despite the importance of the science, despite the urgency of the work, that it just didn't feel right for me. And I'd invested a lot of time studying up until then. And yet there were just sort of, I suppose, alarm bells going off in my brain that I've invested so much time studying for this, but this isn't right for me. So I took a bit of a career break. And while I was looking after my son, I was spending a lot of time outdoors because he only slept outdoors. He was a very premature baby colic, the works. And so I was bored of staring at my phone and bought a sketchbook, a little, one of the tiny A6 little sketchbooks, and just started sketching the world around me just as something else to do because I was so conscious of staring at my phone so much. And it had the effect I've been talking about, calming my mind and opening my eyes to all the beauty around me. And I just thought, hang on a minute, I've been talking and writing reports about nature, but I have been indoors staring at laptops and in boardrooms and meetings, and I've actually not been spending much time outdoors. And for all the sort of research and the science I've been looking at, actually, when you look at the outside world with your eyes and use sketching as a tool for observation, it just unlocked this whole world of creativity and nature connection. And I realised that sketching actually has this huge potential to help other people connect with nature in a much more sort of emotional and rewarding sense and perhaps connect with people in a way that the science wasn't. What was the first experience like when you you know when you bought that sketchbook what was that like when you did your first one? Do you know I can't I can't remember the the first one I, I can just remember just doing really scrappy incomplete hesitant doodles of like the the lake the trees the flowers the sparrows just around the buggy there was nothing glamorous or fancy about it and I realized that it didn't have to look good it 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 wasn't it wasn't that I was creating a beautiful sketchbook that I could go and show people afterwards it was it was just the fact that it was like writing a diary I suppose but I was just sketching sketching the world around me it just opened my eyes really opened my eyes to what I was missing do you remember there being any build up to that point where you felt a sense of anxiety or fear about because when we were talking in the cafe earlier you were saying how when you were younger you really enjoyed art and creativity so was there any part of you that feared going back to that part of yourself again I'm not sure there was fear but so I loved art as a child but was quite academic and so ended up going down the sort of academic route and I loved art and nature so I studied geography because it was the sort of more academic route and I often talk about an academic funnel that when you when you start doing something you can fall down and become more and more specialized until 15 years later you're you're working in quite a niche area that could be quite a long way away from where you started off I think when I started sketching it it definitely not only just was I reconnecting with the natural world around me but it did open up that sort of connection to that old part of me the sort of younger creative part and I wasn't scared about that it was more 
exciting to realize that ah that's what's been missing from all these work meetings it's like I've been I can do the sort of logical knowledge-based work I can do it but there was a part of me that I'd been ignoring um, and I think a lot of us do that used to ignore the part that perhaps seems a bit more frivolous or a bit more um, you know not not so serious not so status orientated and it took having a complete career break and sort of stepping away from that world to explore the more creative side and to allow myself to do that and then ultimately I wanted to find a way to marry both the science and the arts because I I sort of always describe myself as sort of straddling the two awkwardly but (laughs) actually I think we do need to integrate the sciences and the arts and that there's now abundant evidence that when it comes to connecting people with nature it is through nature's beauty and engaging with nature's beauty that people do respond and ultimately change their behavior and adopt more pro-environmental practices so far from feeling sort of worried about it I think there was this awareness that that was the missing part of the career change puzzle I suppose. How did you come up with this idea of green sketching how how has your career evolved since you started doing those first those early sketches for yourself? As, as you well know career change is never linear so there have been many twists and turns but the sketching led me to sort of develop more of a career as an artist um, and I was entirely self-taught but started started working selling sort of nature-based art but I I actually found sometimes that just working on commissions could be quite stressful sometimes and it was accessing a sort of the perfectionist part of me who wanted to do perfect paintings and it was the sense of being outdoors sketching nature with no worry whatsoever about what the outcome looked like that was the bit that really had changed my attitude out out in Switzerland and I wanted to give other people access to that feeling and so I wanted to marry the sort of the art and the nature connection work and make it more accessible to the to everybody else and so I I developed this approach called green sketching to try and overcome the fears and the barriers and started running workshops. And it's sort of gone from there, really. And green sketching is now spreading almost, you know, spreading around the world now as a, a global art movement, helping helping more and more people um, connect with nature, which is amazing. And what would you say has worked really well in terms of connecting with people? Because... There's a TEDx talk available to watch on YouTube um, that you did a few years ago, was that? And then, obviously, you've done the workshops. You've got the social media channels as well. And you've been on some podcasts. So which of those methods do you think has worked really well, maybe in ter- not just in terms of the engagement, but for you? Like, What do you feel most connected with? I think that that's a tricky question because there are different ways to reach different people. When you work face-to-face with people, I've worked with young children and helped them with after-school, you know, run sketching clubs for after-school children. And that's very different from giving a TEDx talk, which reaches a more remote audience and social media plays its part. And then more recently I've written... The, the book, the Green Sketching Handbook, which has helped take green sketching to an even wider audience. It's amazing what a broad appeal green sketching has. We were talking earlier about how when you change career, you're encouraged to find a niche, a niche audience to work with. But green sketching does appeal to 
eight-year-olds, but also to CEOs and sort of youth groups and retired people. And I think that's made it interesting trying to reach people through different marketing channels. Um, But also it's shown just how much potential it has because it's such a simple, accessible tool that it really, really does have huge huge potential for helping large numbers of people reconnect with nature and do it quickly as well because it doesn't take long doesn't take long at all what will people experience from the book that's different to anything else that you've shared i hadn't found a book that um encouraged people to focus as much on the process as the the artwork and so i developed a book that was more of a why to draw book or why to sketch book than how to sketch and it's really not like other drawing books so the first the first part of the book is motivating people explaining why sketching is go so good for you why it helps you relax why it can improve your memory why it can um, lift your spirits and help you regulate your mood why it can help you connect with place there are so many benefits and then I introduced the sort of mindset shift of green sketching that removes all the fears and anxieties that are typically associated with drawing. And then the middle part of the book is giving people guidance of how to start sketching um, without fear and really, really starting small and removing removing all the barriers to um, to why people might struggle normally and taking it very slowly and building confidence to start sketching small things and helping people work out how to simplify complex views if you're going for a walk in the hills, how to simplify what you see. And then the final part of the book is being very pragmatic because it's all very well saying that there's this wonderful creative habit that you can have that's really good and is going to change your life. But unless you make it real and show people how they can actually introduce it into their lives and develop a pragmatic, sustainable habit wherever they live and whatever they do, it's, it's just going to be a nice idea that um, goes in one ear and out the other. So the final third of the book is all about how to adapt it to your own circumstances because one of the key aspects of green sketching is to do it in your own way for your own well-being. So I don't teach anybody how to sketch my way. I want you to find your own way that feels good for you. And that will depend on who you are, where you live and what, what issues you're dealing with at any one particular time. And then the final chapter of the book is all about sketching with children and how to encourage them to sketch so that they feel good about sketching and to take the focus off their artwork. That sounds really cool because that's actually inspiring and influencing the sort of next generation to yeah. not to not only just sketch because you have to at school absolutely and to try and undo some of the the damage that can be done when children are either praised because they've done beautiful artwork and then they become worried about not being able to recreate beautiful artwork every time they sketch or obviously empowering the children that might not typically consider themselves arty to to keep going because it's a it's a skill that can help them regulate their emotions and relax. And there's such an epidemic of anxiety at the moment that it's really, really important that we can give young people tools to look up from their phone and not only see the natural world around them, but actually sort of calm their own anxieties. And what was your experience like of writing the book? It was a massive adventure. It was an incredible opportunity to be given the chance to write a book about something that you're so passionate about the timing was a little bit challenging because it was um 
during the pandemic and so I was trying to write the book while homeschooling which sharing an office with a a 10-year-old boy made it quite challenging Um, but it was was an incredible opportunity to download everything that had been whizzing around my brain for the previous few years and have the opportunity to take it to a much, much wider audience. So it's now been translated into German and it's going to be translated into Spanish and um, it's on sale in Australia and it's all over the place. So the fact that green sketching is spreading internationally is very exciting. That is exciting. And does your son, does he... Oh, there's a little squirrel. Oh, look. <laughs> um, does your son engage with it at all? Does he, what does he think about what you do? He, he loves it. He's, he's a typical 11-year-old boy who likes his computer games and everything. However, he has grown up sort of becoming a joy spotter, as I call it. So he, he notices nature. He's very observant. He sometimes comes for a doodle walk with me. Yeah, he's, 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 very, he's very supportive and very observant and... He's also been fascinated by the whole book journey as well. Learned a lot about the publishing process. Amazing. And when you first started to think about making a real change in your work and approach to work, is that something that you took lightly or has your have you spent a lot of time thinking through how you want to spend your time? I yeah I've I've always been fascinated with careers and career change and spent a huge part of my 20s almost with this idealistic belief that there was a perfect career out there for me if only I could figure out what it was and I explored so many different options but I think there was I was driven by this desire to do something meaningful and worthwhile that was also enjoyable that also gave me freedom to travel or be outdoors or to be creative, even though I didn't necessarily know that at the time. And there seemed to be so many elements of my perfect career that I couldn't put a finger on what exactly it was. And looking back now, it's it's sort of ironic that I ended up having to create a new thing. I had to create green sketching in order to, to bring all those elements that I needed together into a career. And it's still evolving. Um, there are still different different ways it's going to develop over the next few years. But it's been exciting and it has been driven by this desire to to do something that felt felt right that makes sense and how do you feel now about stepping away from the other work that you were doing before I feel very I feel very calm and content about it now there was the the process of career change is scary and um, when you're leaving one world behind and going to another but you're not quite sure whether it's it's worth the risk especially if you've invested a lot of time in studying or getting qualifications it's um it's very daunting because there are no guarantees now I can look back and see that I wouldn't have been able to do anything with green sketching had I not had that academic environmental science background that it's been an integral part of the journey so nothing is ever wasted I think that's really important to emphasize nothing is ever wasted and you don't know when your experience will be useful in future and what's helped you most along the way has it been having as we were talking earlier having that kind of career break as such has anyone helped you along the way what's what's had a really positive impact having an attitude of experimenting has been really helpful so it's very very easy when you're thinking about changing career to get stuck in the thinking part of will this be the right decision will this work will this be successful will I enjoy it and I think I've learned that you 
just have to try things and you have to be prepared that they won't all work. So it's, it's not a linear journey. There are so many cul-de-sacs along the way. But learning from them, adjusting, trying something new, that's, that's, that's one thing. So that's a state of mind. I think finding a support network whatever that looks like is important and that that evolves as well and we were chatting earlier about how you can transition between one tribe one group of friends and another um, and you have to be really proactive about looking for people doing what you're doing and what you're hoping to do to try and find support and sometimes that support's online sometimes it's in real life but finding support I've also got a huge amount of support from books over the years and one of the reasons for writing the book was because when I was at a crossroads of what to do at the beginning of the pandemic, I looked around my office and I realised I was surrounded by about 50 non-fiction books. I thought, I love non-fiction books. I want to write one. Um, because non-fiction books have helped me so much over the career change journey, not just with the career change process, but with learning the new skills for what you want to do. So never underestimate the power of a book to change your life. And what are some of the skills that you've, would you say that you've learned? Oh, goodness. Everything from the soft skills we were talking about earlier, overcoming fears, putting yourself out into uh, into your discomfort zone, doing things that you wouldn't normally do. But technical skills like building websites or setting up newsletters and marketing materials, learning how to run workshops. I mean, I, I never, ever wanted to go into teaching because I didn't like public speaking. So the ir- irony of ending up running workshops and events and giving talks is is not lost on me and then technical skills learning how to become an illustrator and and write a book (laughs) (laughs) so with the public speaking as someone who would have tended to avoid that in the past (laughs) what's how do you how do you pull it together to go and speak in front of people and um, deliver a workshop it's it's still a process of trial and error. I think I think it's really important to be clear on your why, why you're doing something, because there are always going to be aspects of any any work that you do that perhaps come more easily than others. And for me, public speaking is a, a challenge because I'm an introvert and I get so many ideas in my head that I get tongue-tied when I'm talking and can never express myself as articulately as I can on paper. So... <laughs> Um, there's a mixture of nerves and frustration that always make it the more challenging part of of the work I do. However, there are different types of public speaking. So if you're if you're promoting something that you've created that you're proud of, that's very different from an academic presentation where you're trying to explain a concept. If you're trying to reassure people at the start of a workshop that they don't need to worry, then that's a much easier thing to do because you're connecting with individuals and sometimes being an anxious person actually reassures other people that they don't need to worry so I think at the heart of it is huge amounts of self-awareness and self-compassion and just accepting that you don't have to be perfect at everything you can be good enough at some things and and still do fine yeah sometimes I think it's the formalities of things that can put you off like so for example like introducing yourself and closing in a certain way and delivering you know all the points and it's the kind yeah it's the the business side of it I suppose I think yeah and it's the marketing yourself makes you feel very vulnerable and exposed whereas as soon as you get into chatting with someone or asking them questions it's a very very different experience so it's it's about it's about the visibility and the vulnerability of visibility really 
So what is it about this green sketching or even just about connecting with people? What is it that makes you go and actually talk to people and deliver presentations or workshops about it? What's the core, like, deep feeling that overrides all those things that are challenging for you? I think it's a desire to help other people overcome their doubts and lack of confidence because I can see it in them so clearly because I recognise it from my own experience. And so I know what they're feeling and I know that I can help them. And if that means getting out of my own way and being a little bit uncomfortable on a stage, then it's worth it because ultimately we're all the same, really. Most of us are the same. And there's so much self-doubt about sketching and drawing and it's almost about giving people permission to to be creative and to have a go and I I know that I can help them do that so it's it's worth it's worth a little bit of discomfort. I often find that being indoors has a big can have a really big impact on how I'm feeling about talking to people. I'm not saying that I don't feel any anxiety mm. if I'm in an outdoor setting mm. but I think it makes a big difference if I'm yeah in a in a room and in a sort of closed environment whereas in, if I'm out in a open environment then I feel much more comfortable absolutely I, I completely agree I mean sitting out here by a stream with the wind blowing through the trees is is joyful whereas if we were having a zoom uh, recording it would be much more formal and you'd feel much more um, self-conscious really about what you were saying so. where would you like things to develop from here green sketching is now spreading more and more people are finding out about it but there's a limit to how much I can do individually so my priority at the moment is to train more people to run green sketching workshops so that they can reach more more people who need to experience the sort of joys and benefits of sketching the natural world so that's what I'm focused on at the moment and I've also got several other book ideas marinating so watch this space. So what sort of people are you looking out for then to do that? I've been training and working with people from a variety of different sectors. You've got the the well-being sector, the creativity sector and then the the nature outdoorsy sector. Because green sketching touches on all these areas, I've had teachers, existing artists, youth workers, all sorts of different people interested in approaching me. So there's there's huge, huge potential here. There's huge potential. It's really exciting. And so I'm I'm doing one-to-one training, small group training, and I'm developing some online resources at the moment. So how would you describe your experience of sort of making a living from what you're doing? What have been the ups and downs of that? It's never, never easy. I've been fortunate. My husband's been able to help me. Any, anybody who's self-employed and especially anybody in the creative professions knows that work can ebb and flow and it's something that you have to look at as a portfolio career and juggle multiple income sources and the beauty of green sketching is it can complement so many other areas of like I was talking about the sort of creative sector or the outdoorsy sector. And do you feel like it's given you more freedom in terms of how you spend your time? Absolutely. So now, as we were saying earlier, now I check the weather rather than my work calendar to decide what I want to do each day. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, there's 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 masses of flexibility in, in what you're doing. And you still have to schedule workshops and events, um, but there's plenty of time in between, which for 
writing and artwork and creativity which I need as an introvert I need the mixture of social contact um, but also plenty of plenty of time for deep work and that deep work often takes place outdoors so I can legitimately give myself permission to go for a long long walk and know that that's actually part of my working day which isn't what my old life was like. It's interesting isn't it how um, you can still feel like you sometimes need to justify how you're spending your time. I, I, I completely agree and it's taken me a long time to accept that work isn't the work I do isn't linear so I can spend a week feeling like I'm not being productive but actually there's lots and lots of ideas that are developing in my mind and then I can have a couple of days of extremely productive work where I feel like I've done the equivalent of a month's work in um, 48 hours that is partly just having a creative brain but it's also the nature of this work and I realise in the past there might have been shame attached to that, that you felt you weren't being productive because you weren't being consistent. But now I'm much happier to go with the sort of the ebb and flow of the, of the sort of creative cycle almost. And do you feel like your priorities have changed in terms of like where you focus your attention when you're working and when you're playing as such? Yes, I mean... There's, a, there's also the reality check of when you're, when you're doing this sort of work, sometimes you never switch off. So even though it's creative, even though it's nature-based, even though it's often really fun and rewarding, in some ways you're constantly thinking about your work and thinking about opportunities, thinking about potential book ideas, thinking about pictures you could paint. So you actually have to proactively schedule downtime, which when you're doing something that is a job that you love doing, you have to work hard to sort of step away and do something very very different being a mum gives me you know I I have that I have that other priority in my life and that that helps so time time with my son is 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 something that's a sort of offsets the work and finally what question would you ask somebody who is thinking about a career change that allows them more time to connect with nature I would ask them a question which takes a bit of explaining but having written a book one of the pages of the book that took the most effort was the acknowledgements and when you write the acknowledgements of a book it's a chance to thank everybody who's helped you on your journey so I would ask people to think about if you were to write a book about your ideal career change after it had happened who might you thank in your acknowledgements And by thinking about that, you're going to be thinking about who do you need to help you on this career journey? So where is your practical support going to come from? Who might you need to help you with logistics, with childcare logistics or with finance, financial support perhaps? Who's going to help you with the practical support of giving you the skills and the training or the mentoring that you need? Who are you actually going to be working with? Who are your clients? Who will you thank when you've you've done this work and who's going to give you that all-important emotional support because changing career is so difficult and so lonely at times and you need people to be your cheerleaders when you start doubting yourself so have a think about what your acknowledgements might look like for a book about your own career change massive thanks to Ali for this episode you can find links to her work in the show notes